0: The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent, including Olus Media.
1: Olus Media. Attacking the podcast world. And based on the true legendary cult classic, Ola's Media presents...
0: Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Did somebody Attack mention biscuits? Attack
1: of the Killer Tomatoes. Oh. They'll beat you, bash you, you, bash you, chew here. you up or run. How bad is it? Is it? If also, I definitely don't think it'll fly again. I'm not talking about that, you wiener. What about the tomatoes? Hello, defenders of the diner and aficionados of the silver screen. Step right up to the Killer Tomatoes podcast. Your host is Costa Dillon, the architect of those roguish, rampaging red orbs that have been playfully pestering us since bell bottoms were in. Today's guest, John Aston. Okay, hi, we're talking with John Aston, a fantastic star of three Killer Tomato movies and, of course, <laughs> countless other Hollywood extravaganzas. Academy. It's, a,
0: it's, a, it's all I've ever done, Costa. That's right. Well, you know, <laughs> you've been nominated Killer for an Academy Tomatoes.
1: Award. Hey, you were nominated for an Academy Award. I can't, how can you say such a thing? <laughs> Which I, I would love to see that film. It's impossible to find. Prelude? It's impossible yeah. to find that film. I would love to see that sometime. Do you have a 35 millimeter projector?
0: Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> Actually, we do.
1: Uh, believe it or not, we have a 35 millimeter projector stored away in a yeah. warehouse. And I, and I have one in my car. <laughs> <laughs> also have a a a print a um a contact printer
0: got no, one. I got I got one in the bathroom. <laughs>
1: <I'm kidding. laughs> is it is Steve Peace that's with me, John?
0: <laughs> I better be careful.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. John. I guess that so. way. So, are you
0: still uh, a politician, Steve?
1: No, I'm formerly honorable. <laughs> <laughs> it's no longer World Honorable anybody. <laughs> so we, we thought we would take a few minutes, uh, if, if, which we really appreciate you taking time with us, uh talk about a little bit about your Killer Tomatoes experience, and then also ask you a few questions about um, other interesting aspects of your history here. So I guess, you know, I, I think we certainly work together on the, all three films, but a question I never asked you is, how did you ever come to Killer Tomatoes? Did, you know, how did how did your agent uh, get you to do it?
0: <laughs> uh, my my agent tried to stop
1: me. Yes, <laughs> you know what? Every single person we've interviewed says that. <laughs> but
0: my my agent knew at that time that I was uh, incorrigible. And and I would do what I wanted to. So I said, "I like it. I think it's funny."
1: So you had seen the script and decided that, then, and and that was what you.
0: Well, yeah, uh, but uh, then I, um, uh, I went to uh, um, where? Well, I guess it was San Diego. Yeah. uh, Back in those days, uh, uh, you were putting up the actors in. Um, and uh, uh, isn't there someone, uh, something, some chain that's connected with the number eight? Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> we put you in a Super Eight? <laughs> yeah, the Motel 6 must have been full.
0: <laughs> no, there, there's a. <laughs> No, I think that's where I was first. Uh, and uh in fact I I I uh I knew those uh those hotel rooms because I had I had done in San Diego what they called <clears throat> at that time an improvised movie. Ah and uh i i i gave the uh, outline to a good friend of mine whose opinion i trusted uh as a matter of fact uh he was my director um now unfortunately he's passed away now but he uh he he directed uh uh my po show oh okay uh and uh he's a very uh, he was a very good director uh he he had a good teacher uh i taught him
1: that's right i I knew that was coming
0: right (laughs) yeah i well i i i project those things so that the audience can relax and not worry about this (laughs) missing anything uh but uh at at any rate uh i uh um i went to this hotel room and uh john de bella was waiting for me there at the uh uh was it motel six or motel eight
1: I don't remember but that's probably all we could afford so it's probably one of them yeah
0: it, it was on it, it was on that circle
1: oh 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 in Mission Valley right hotel circle yeah yeah,
0: yeah. and and uh, the motel six
1: yeah <laughs> is it yeah we're on we're not we're we're only about a mile and a half from it right now <laughs> If there'd been a motel four we would have put you there so
0: be be careful. <laughs> you know uh I uh, anyway John John uh we started talking about the uh, projected film I, I don't mean on a an actual projector but uh one that uh, uh you were hoping to uh bring into being
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh that's that's what they call it, bringing it in into being. <laughs> I don't know what, what what the hell I'm saying, but any, anyway, uh, I I said, uh, John, shouldn't I? Uh, th- this is a funny film, but I uh, I should probably take a look at the first one. Uh, to get an idea of what you're looking for. And he said, uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and I, I, was, I was puzzled, and I said, why? And uh, he said, well, you, you've seen the uh, promotions for it. He said it really is a bad movie, <laughs> and we don't want to repeat that. <laughs> we we want to do something that's funny, and and, and that works. Mm-hmm. And uh, we think this may be it. I think what what was it? The Return of the, oh, the Killer The Return of the Killer Yeah,
1: yeah. Which one? Return of the Killer Tomatoes was the
0: first movie you did, yeah. Yeah, and then then wasn't there one called The Killer Tomatoes Strike Back? Yep,
1: yep. And then Killer Tomatoes Eat France.
0: Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, Well, The Killer Tomatoes Eat France, if I can jump to that for a second. Sure. Uh, Would it confuse your audience at all?
1: Uh, no, uh, uh, I think both of them uh, will get it. They're
0: they're asleep anyway. anyway yeah. but but uh, uh, I uh, I I said, how do you justify using this uh, location? Actually, that's when you guys were flying high mm-hmm. and uh, we were in a good hotel there <laughs>
1: <laughs> he doesn't remember anything about the movies just the hotels we were in right <laughs>
0: <laughs> we we were uh, uh, we were shooting in this mall yes which was actually within walking distance of the hotel mm-hmm and I I said, isn't this supposed to be about France? And uh, you put that line in about the brilliant brilliant uh, uh, craftsmen and women who were able to duplicate perfectly a mall that existed in San Diego, California.
1: (laughs) Right. Have
0: to build build it in France. Yes.
1: Uh, And they did. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and I I thought that was highly amusing. (laughs) Well,
1: I want to point out that was before Disneyland was built in France as well. And since then they've torn that mall down here in San Diego so it's not even there anymore. So
0: Oh, really? Oh, yeah. so now you have uh an historical uh That's right. o- object.
1: We do. We do. People can watch of course, history. So so you wanted to do the film because you thought it it's funny, which is great, you know, and I I think I've told you that um you know, I I really like the movies Evil Roy Slade and Viva Max you did with Jerry Paris um it, they're kind of obscure films now but they're among my favorites so i think the do you think that that kind of um humor that you got exposed to in those movies is you know, helped uh, your attitude towards looking at what this film was going to be no <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for answering. that. I was really hoping I could somehow equate my skills to Jerry Paris, but never mind.
0: No, you—you're unique,
1: Costa. Thank you.
0: There, there ain't nobody like you. Uh,
1: and, I, and I appreciate that.
0: And uh, you know, I'm—I lean a little bit toward that because my late sister-in-law uh was from Greece ah. she uh, she and her brother uh, well her parents I think she was the first uh, she spoke almost no English when she arrived and they never lost her accent <laughs> but was a a a uh, I say, I said. I, I guess. I, did I say my late, my late sister-in-law? Yes. Yeah. 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 She's uh, she's one of the loveliest people I I ever met, actually. And uh, uh, we miss her terribly, and uh, then. <laughs> her uh, her husband my brother died not too long after
1: yeah just I, uh, last last year right yeah yeah he was a he was a professor at um somewhere in california right um
0: yeah yeah he was the uh he was the founder and um and uh, uh I guess, the first holder of the chair uh, that ran the Higher Education Research Institute. Uh, He did a lot of uh, um, research in higher education. In fact, he was probably, uh, (laughs) for a number of years, he was the... um, most often quoted, uh, the sort of, sort of the number one guy in uh, evaluation of uh, higher education. Toby so, and, uh,
1: and your, your your father was wasn't he also? Uh, he was the head of the uh, yeah, well, Bureau he, of Standards. Yeah,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. My dad was a, a scientist, uh, originally a researcher, uh, but. Eventually, uh, he uh, actually, he and his colleagues uh, uh, were uh, actually, uh, I would say, instrumental in uh, uh, the Allied victory in World War II. Uh, They... They developed a weapon that uh, uh, different, different versions of it now uh, are are used, uh, but it, it was uh, a well kept secret for uh, a few years after uh, after World War II. They. Uh, they didn't want anyone to know that we could do it. Uh, I know uh, it, it was my father's mission uh, in uh, late in nineteen forty-four. Uh, uh, no, the well, um, yeah, yeah, it was in forty-four uh, to go to Great Britain. <clears throat> and uh where the head of US ordinance was, uh I mean the guy who ran ran it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh a general named Spots, S-P, I think S P A A T Z, something like that. Uh I know there's a uh, there's a street in Florida, I think that's named for him an avenue anyway he uh spots was afraid to use it because uh he was afraid a dud would be picked up by the nazis and uh it would be used against us Hmm. and uh he offered to mail one to Hitler. <laughs> and uh, he said, there's no way he will be able to duplicate it. And uh, Spots was still afraid to use it. He, he uh, got in touch with George Patton, the general.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Patton said, sure, I'll use it. Actually, it was a um, – uh, it was – w- what at that time, it was a, a transceiver ah. uh, that would um, uh, let the uh, person who fired a weapon <laughs> know where the projectile was or they could set it uh, to go off when it was near the target. Wow. So it didn't, didn't have to hit the target,
1: and uh, so it was like uh, an early smart bomb. Yeah. So here's my question: You know your your father was this, you yeah, pretty well known scientist, and your your brother was this uh, esteemed uh, professor. Uh, what did they think when you decided to become an actor?
0: Uh, well, <laughs> it's I I can't. Uh, I can't tell you.
1: <laughs> you can't tell me or you don't know. <laughs> no, I
0: I I I remember when I told my father. Yeah. I, I at this time I had a scholarship to a college in Western Pennsylvania as a mm-hmm. math major. Ah. And uh I loved the Discipline of math. I I I, uh, I could very I very easily have been happy as a mathematician,
1: mm.
0: but uh, somehow accidentally I. It's a it's a long story which you don't want to hear, but I. I tried to get out of taking English, and uh, I would lose my scholarship because English was required. I'd had a, an unfortunate experience in high school with an English teacher who um, didn't like my book report on Moby Dick. And uh, called me a Cretan. I, I hoped that uh, my fellow students would not know what the word meant. But uh some did and uh and so uh i i really she made me dislike a subject that i was fond of wow. and uh so uh i um i drifted uh, uh into well focusing on math they they said I had to take English as it was required and uh now having taught for 20 odd years in uh, a university uh that specializes in... Uh, technical stuff uh, more than uh, and they have a great hospital Uh, but uh, they uh, they they uh, admit students uh, occasionally who aren't very good at there, there may be quizzes at math but they're not very good at constructing a reasonable English sentence. And uh, it's very difficult to read their papers. I finally I, I finally abandoned the idea of papers because it took me so long to write the corrections up uh, uh, for them to see what they might have done uh i decided to do exams that uh, uh were more like a uh a science exam uh where you didn't have to do much writing so, so
1: you uh, just, and, but what led you, what led you to acting
0: oh is that what we we're talking about <laughs>
1: Well,
0: that's kind of where we started, but yeah, it's all right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, uh, I, I got, I, I, I went to the English professor and I said, I don't want to take your subject. I don't think it's it's a very good subject. And uh, he said, Well, it's required. I said, Yeah, that's my problem. And he he said, Well. Tell you what, I said. I don't think it's about anything. I think it's just an excuse to BS. And he, uh, he said, "I'll, I'll make you an offer here." He said, um, "Every once in a while, I'll give you something to read, and it won't be too long." You want to spend too much time on it, but I want you to tell me if you think it's about something and that, you know, there's some reason to write it. And uh, the first thing he gave me was, uh, 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 what's the... uh, um, Joseph Conrad, the heart of darkness. That's, that's what he gave me. Uh, is it about anything? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I I, read it. I went back and I said, say, this is really about something. He said, yes, there are more that have that characteristic. And uh-huh. I think he gave me something else. Uh and i i became became a conrad fan at that time i'd never read any any conrad at that point mm-hmm. my my mother probably read every book that was ever written <laughs> she read rapidly and she had an active vocabulary that um mm-hmm. uh, i i i never stumped her uh On a definition.
1: Sounds like Steve's mom.
0: She she had had, uh, uh, good Latin and good Greek, Mm. which is uh, what Ben Johnson said Shakespeare didn't have, but he did all right, I guess. Uh, But, uh, you know, uh, my mother was uh, actually a brilliant woman. Uh, living in a time when scientists' wives were relegated to uh, the household chores. And it, it wasn't uh, fair. My sister-in-law said, uh, who eventually called uh, uh, the mother of my brother and me, called her mom, And she said, you know, mom came along too late. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, at any rate, uh, she had interested me in in literature and drama and so on uh, for, uh, uh, you you know, uh, uh, for a number of years before I... uh, Oh, right after I learned to read, in fact. I, I remember I, I I became interested in Poe because she told me the story of uh, the murders in the Rue Morgue and then gave me uh, the purloined letter to read. And uh, I... Uh, Uh, I didn't know all the words. I must have been uh, 10 or 11 at the time. I know I wasn't 12 at that point. uh, Because I I still remember the room I was in when I finished reading the purloined letter. It stunned me. Mm. And uh, uh, I remember looking around the room to see if there was some place where I could put a purloined letter.
1: <laughs> but your dad was a scientist. Yeah. Did you model gangrene after your dad? Uh, there you go. Right.
0: No. <laughs> so anyway, actually during my high school years, I uh I I was not a happy camper in high school and uh my dad tried to uh, interest me in um, in 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 theater and uh, joining the drama group. I said, "Oh, come on, Pop! I don't want to mess around with all that stuff." And, uh, he said, "Oh, okay." <laughs> uh, but the uh, eventually. Um, uh, I got this English teacher and he suggested I do a play. Mm. And, uh, so I, um, I did a a play, uh, a, a one act by Noel Coward. And, uh, I had, uh, Some kind of success with it. And uh, I loved doing it. And uh, I remember after uh, our second performance, because we were limited to two performances, uh, I went back into what we had used for a theater, which was just a large room, you know, with chairs laid out there and so on. And we had a platform that we used for a stage. I went through the entire play uh, all by myself. And uh i uh i couldn't uh i i just didn't want to get away from it
1: nice. and
0: so i i transferred there was no uh theater program at uh w and j oh it was a very very good school still is um uh, but uh i uh uh, i I transferred away uh, to uh the Johns Hopkins, which was uh, which had a theater program at that time, and in those days was a uh, very forward looking uh school uh they, they had a ma- marvelous uh liberal arts program there and it was it was uh it was great to go to school in fact uh, in those days you could uh you could uh uh-oh you could take as many courses as you wished. Now, with so many people in administration, most universities these days are, uh, you know, sort of being taken over by administrators. And uh, so they limit the number of courses you can take. And... And um, because I was teaching there, I, I I would have some students who were really sharp and I'd want to get them into very uh, lots of classes. and they wanted that too, but uh, there were always limitations on it and that you couldn't take as many classes as you wanted. Uh, in those days, if you were on the Dean's list, you had that option you could and so i registered in my senior year my last semester i registered for 27 hours of classes (laughs) and uh then i decided i would uh audit uh, six of those hours so i would have only 21 hours uh because I kind of got scared at so many hours, but uh, the, the odd thing is, the two classes I audited—one was uh, uh, Greek in modern usage, uh, and uh, and uh, the other one, oh, was a uh, was a, a sort of all star course uh once a week you had one of the uh star uh professors to be a nobel prize winner uh giving you uh, three or four hours of their stuff and it was wonderful uh, and uh, that was the other audit and I I think I remember those courses stuff from those courses more than I do the courses which I got high grades.
1: Yeah, sure, much more memorable. Uh,
0: yeah, the the uh, they they were, but most of the courses I took by that time were courses in theater, so uh, I still keep those in mind. Nice. Uh, anyway, uh, so that's how I got started. Uh-huh. I, I, I went crazy in in uh, uh, extracurricular activities, which were always plays, and uh, uh, and so I I had a fair amount of experience. When I went to grad school, and uh, due to recommendations from uh, various uh, people that I worked with, I I got uh, I, I I was hired by the uh, uh, University of Minnesota, which in those days had a uh, outstanding theater program. And uh so uh, uh that that me that got me through another year I guess or uh I think I had one and one third years of grad school and a professor uh talked me into leaving school uh saying that he had seen me on stage and that i should go immediately to new york and see if i could get a job and i followed his advice uh and uh ended up in uh in new york and uh um i got I get, got into what was an off-Broadway show and uh, I <clears throat> I didn't like the play, but I didn't have to be in it. I, I had to understudy the lead and uh, another part, but my job was to be the janitor <laughs> in the place. And sell so books at uh, at intermission and uh you know clean up the theater after the show and uh oh, theater goers leave a mess <laughs> i uh i i I can't tell you some of the things that you'd leave on the floor <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to know (laughs) no you don't you don't want to know actually not everybody who came into the theater left the theater (laughs) some of the people left on the floor
1: (laughs) (laughs) didn't didn't you um didn't tony randall have something to do with your early career
0: oh yeah this was years later
1: oh okay
0: uh but anyway so you, you uh I've got 2 3 more hours to go on this. <laughs> uh, so, uh you know, I, I uh, getting back to my dad, I just want to uh bring up one thing. Uh uh he eventually became he was employed during World War II and before. Uh he did a lot of research uh he was the first person on this earth to use telemetry because uh, he he was uh, uh, he would send up weather balloons. He and a, a colleague would send up weather balloons, and uh, they uh, developed a transceiver to uh, uh, send uh, uh, respond to signals from Earth. And uh, and sent back information on cosmic rays. He was interested in And oh. in that. That was in the 1930s, uh, and then in the 40s or or late 30s, actually. Uh, he he was very much an anti-fascist, and he. Believed that what was happening in Nazi Germany could uh, be uh, very wrong for the United States, and uh, uh, and so he began to develop uh, war weapons, wow. and uh, uh, and. When the war was over, uh, he was made the leader of the uh, of the research, weapons research, at the National Bureau of Standards, and he felt that that sort of thing shouldn't be uh, a subject for a research that was pure science which he was wanted at the Bureau. And uh, that's the direction he leaned in. And he he became uh, director of the Bureau. And uh, it's now the National Institute of Standards and Technology. And uh, when he was head of the bureau there was a uh, a guy who sold a battery additive which was worthless but if you follow the procedure for installing the powder that you put in your storage battery uh, you would give the battery a long slow charge and that was a way that most people weren't familiar with—a way of refurbishing a storage battery. So, uh, this this guy had a lot of political clout, and uh, uh, they tried to get my father to change the uh research of his uh scientists at, at the bureau. And he said, no, I'm not gonna do that. And they they fired him. Oh wow. For, they forced his resignation, actually, is what what actually happened. And uh the product this guy was selling was He had called it, he gave it a fancy name, ADX2. And you put ADX2 in your storage battery and be sure to give it a long, slow charge, and uh, your battery will be restored. So it had satisfied users. He tried to explain that, but nobody wanted to listen to him. Uh, And uh, at any rate, uh he uh you know legitimate scientists uh uh were very upset because he as a scientist he had a very good reputation and he was you know a sort of straight arrow guy and uh <clears throat> did things by the book as it were by the scientific book anyway and uh uh, you know, he wasn't a, uh, a huckster of any kind. Uh, and uh, th- th- this appealed to the scientists that worked with him. And uh, so they uh, banded together and uh, uh, got my dad back to work at the Bureau. Wow. And uh, that story is being done now uh, by some very talented people who are at the NIST. And uh, so he's uh, 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 he's in this story. I think it's called the ADX2 story. That's what they call it. But it's been nominated. It's a short film. Been Mm -hmm. nominated for a few things. And uh, 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 my brother was still alive at that time. And he's in it. And I'm in it. And uh, and, uh, our kids helped out with it. Wow, great! Sean and Mackenzie are in it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or like, I guess Mac. I'm not sure Mac is actually in it, but he contributed uh, to it certainly. And uh, so, uh, I, but we, it's not really, you know, <laughs> about us. Uh, although, you know, the way we look at it, you know, it's our film. Okay, we've taken care of my dad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. That's I mean that's remarkable uh, history there. Um, the um,
0: I I have enjoyed. You know, Costa. Were you there? that one of the times I came down to speak at. Uh, um, I said, "How much I liked uh, four star." Four square. Uh, I'm sorry four square oh, yeah. uh, that's right four stars the
1: uh, uh at the,
0: one at the old republic studios yeah That's right
1: yes <laughs> Uh
0: but uh, you know uh uh I uh, somebody offers you a percentage of a film and uh you you they have Ingenious bookkeepers in Hollywood. (laughs) Yes. They know how to lose money for a film. That doesn't matter how much it makes. That's right. They lose money. And so investors don't get the money back.
1: Right.
0: uh, Unless they're right on the top. Uh, It's a bunch of these people that uh, the poor actors right now are trying to strike and get some improvement in their lot. It's tough. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, my son Sean is working very hard with the uh, SAG AFTRA people in that in that uh strike that they have going they uh they're noble doing what they're doing anyway uh but back to foursquare foursquare that first picture i did the, the uh, return of the killer tomatoes mm-hmm. was that and uh uh i actually made some profit on that <laughs> yeah and foursquare i i i i spoke on behalf of foursquare saying it's the only company now the more involved with actual production companies uh foursquare became the less the profits were and finally right. when they worked with fox there was no profit
1: uh, right when fox got to control of the books that's exactly okay. right exactly right. Yeah. we didn't either John <laughs> we didn't either Did, really <laughs> oh, yeah my no. heavens <laughs> we don't know where no. that <laughs> But you're right, that's Hollywood accounting. I read I read that uh to, to date uh, Forrest Gump hasn't made a profit, so go figure, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I uh
0: I I was doing a I was doing uh a uh a couple of spots in uh uh a redo of the Adams family. Uh that uh uh that that uh, that they that I they had bought uh, a use of all the old scripts, so they had to do some rewriting. Oh. And uh, I gave them a few suggestions. And one of the Fox executives came up to me and he said, "Are you interested in doing a uh, show?" And I said, y- "If I can create value." Yes, absolutely. Hmm. But he digested that very quickly and walked away.
1: Do <laughs> 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 you, re- you remember the first day on the set that you that with us? Do you remember that day?
0: Parts of it, yeah.
1: I, I it. it was at it was at the mansion, at the, the that yeah, old house. Right. And yeah. I remember because you came in, you came in uh, and they signed you to see me because I was doing production design and I was starstruck and uh, <laughs> and the and I've told this story to other people because the first thing you did is you walked up you opened up the little case you had and said which hair do you think would look good for this role <laughs> <laughs> well and I, and I I remember it was such a great opening line because for one it was so self-effacing that it helped me with you know being starstruck but also i realized you you got the comedy you understood it you were you were ready to have fun with the role and it it really was uh, reassuring when you said that
0: well all the people there were uh, were very congenial it was it was fun. I had a good time.
1: And 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 so I you know none of us here get credit for really making George Clooney's career. So I I bet they don't give you credit either. <laughs> no,
0: no. Actually, I did more for George. There was the first movie he did, one of the early ones. Uh and uh he was he was very he was very good in it, mm-hmm. but uh, nobody paid much attention to him. I, I think uh, there was a very beautiful co-star. I, I forget who it was now. But uh, I, I was asked to review it for a, 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 a TV station in Chicago, and I remember saying, "If you see this film, you know for sure that George Clooney is a star. Hmm. And uh, uh, I, and I, uh, gee, I, I hope he becomes one because I'll look <laughs> kind of silly if, <laughs> if he doesn't.
1: <laughs> I- I don't think he's doing that well because I saw him selling coffee machines on TV. So I don't think he's doing that great. (laughs) And he sells uh,
0: wine. (laughs) Are are the coffee machines, uh, uh, are they good coffee machines?
1: I I don't know. I don't have one. (laughs) (laughs) uh,
0: My coffee machine went out on me this morning.
1: Oh, oh wow. well, there you go. Right, yeah. right to George. Yes, yeah, and, and ask him for one.
0: <laughs> yeah, dear George. Remember the good old days? Yeah, remember exactly. the good old days.
1: It's worth at least one coffee machine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, well, he, well, anyway, so I went to, I, I went to, uh, after grad school, I went to New York and uh, uh, it was uh, it was very interesting. The, as I say, the first thing I did I got in this off-Broadway show and it actually won an award uh, and I but I, I wasn't crazy about the play but uh, you know, I, I got, I didn't get any money for being the janitor, but I got two meals a day and I could put a cot down where the audience had been <laughs> and, and <laughs> move the bodies out of the way. And uh, I, uh, uh, you know, uh, I got money. I, I mean, I got food. For free, two meals a day, and it was good food too. Uh, I'm not sure it was healthy food, but it was tasty to me Uh, because I I knew nothing about nutrition at that time. Uh, Nor did I care. Uh, But uh, uh, eventually, the guy playing the lead. Decided not to do it anymore. And I got to play it. And uh, it was a part of uh, another Greek, a ship's cook who uh, chased all the young boys who came on board. And uh, I, uh, uh, I had to make up because I was in my early twenties, and uh, this guy was supposed to be about forty-five, and uh, so uh, you know, I did a careful makeup, and you know. Did all my Stanislavsky stuff, and uh, I, uh, a former girlfriend of a uh, of a cousin, a distant cousin, was was uh, an agent, mm-hmm. and I invited her to see the show. The next morning, she didn't come backstage afterwards. Uh, she couldn't get through all the chairs, I guess. I don't know. But the uh she called me up and said, uh, honey, I've got something for you. She says, get right over here. So I came in to her office and walked in. She looked at me she said, "Oh my God, you're a baby." <laughs> she said, this is for a part. The guy is 45 years old and I said, hey, you thought I was 45 in the show you know Can't and she said, no no chance. Well you guys are you guys are lovely actually. I'm I'm mom. I've always uh, felt fortunate to run into you.
1: Oh, it, but the feeling's mutual. I love talking with you, John. <laughs> There's, I'm never bored by anything you tell me. All that story is about your dad and all that was great. I'm, I happen to be, you know, part historian. So, you know, I worked at Gettysburg and stuff. So I just, uh, I love those kinds.
0: Oh, at Gettysburg? It. Yeah, I worked oh, at
1: Gettysburg. My, one of my part so jobs.
0: Yeah. Oh, really? that's where yeah. my brother uh was uh, uh before uh before oh, he, he went, to went to
1: Gettysburg College
0: yep yeah and, yeah and he founded a group there called the Minnesingers.
1: Ah. Uh, uh, great we'll say hi to Val <laughs> haven't seen yep. her since, haven't seen her I, since, uh, my wedding so <laughs> um but it's nice to talk with you and uh we'll we'll get we'll be in touch again.
0: Yeah, uh, I, uh, I I uh, love the fact uh, that you are a writer and a forest ranger. I, <laughs> I don't think I don't think there are too many.
1: Yeah, there. Yeah, the the the, the number of park ranger um, film writers is a pretty small club. Okay, John. We'll talk soon. Yeah. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for listening to Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Be sure to follow and subscribe whenever you listen to your podcasts. To read the blog associated with this episode, visit olusmedia.com. This episode was produced in studios located
0: in San Diego, California and Tijuana, Baja, California. Creative Director Ulysses
1: Breton, Sound Engineer Alan Glazbar, Nina Alvarez is co-producer, serving as executive producer and co-founder is J.C. Polk, and Chad Pease is president and co-founder. OLUS Media is an IVC media company. Olas Media.